This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey folks, welcome to We'll See You in Hell, your favorite horror movie, sci-fi, and fantasy film podcast. My name is Joe DeRosa. I'm sitting here with the illustrious Patrick Walsh. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Illustrious, uh, I guess, is like a, what, a man about town? I don't know what it means. I always thought it, it, it was a term for a nicely decorated apartment, but then I heard it used for a human being. Yeah, I usually, it's like this, like an illustrious evening. Maybe I'll look it up. We'd like we're gonna do it like a word of the day calendar now. The podcast is just gonna be teaching you new words. And folks, uh, we apologize in advance if there's any sound quality uh, issues. We got a new recording device, uh, and we're kind of just figuring it out. And I think I think I did it right, but you know, if it gets a little distorted at times or whatever, it's only because we're just still working through these level issues. We recorded uh, a, about 40 minutes the other day, lost to the world. Yeah, just uh, gone. Boy, it was good, too. You'll never know. Sorry. Yeah. Illustrious, uh, you were right to call me illustrious. It means well-known, respected, and admired for past achievements. Oh, okay. Like an illustrious career would be the right way to use it. Okay, so it doesn't mean a nice apartment. No, it doesn't. Now, well, I'll be hog-tied. <laughs> Uh, now, Joe, I feel I need to remind people from time to time that that's you write, uh, performing and, and wrote our, our theme song, mm-hmm. but I've been seeing questions lately. It says, I'll see you in hell, but our podcast is we'll see you in hell. Was this recorded before I was added to the mix? Take us behind the scene, <laughs> behind the music. <laughs> No, it was recorded after you were added to the mix, but originally it was the show was just going to be me, and it was going to be called I'll See You in Hell. Okay. And then a friend of mine pointed out that only a raving lunatic would be able to talk for 90 minutes during a film by right. himself. You'd be like an Alex Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, too much. So then I asked my dear friend Pat, movie lover, illustrious man about town. <laughs> yeah. To be a part of it, he said yes, but I still thought the theme song, so we changed the title of the pod to We'll See You in Hell, but the lyrically, I still thought the song worked better. Yes. I'll See You in Hell. And it was also a little wink. I like to give little winks to like my favorite bands, and like but bands I love will do that. You know, the, the, the title of the song, one word will be different in the chorus from the actual title. Sure, sure. I, I like those little... Can you give those. me one example? I can't right now, <laughs> but it's one of those things how like... It's one of those things how, like, Queen uh, has an album called Sheer Heart Attack. Yeah, I own it. Which is my favorite Queen album. But yeah. then the song Sheer Heart Attack yeah, is that's on a good Queen example. 2 or whatever. You know, yeah, just a little I bought sh- the Queen catalog recently on vinyl, and I noticed that. very. It's very odd that you bring that up. You br- The entire catalog? I, you know, the, I bought their four kind of golden yeah. hits. You can go. Yeah, there's, there's, I, think, I, I think you could go a little deeper. There's probably about six goodies. Yeah. Um, but I thought you were saying you bought a box set and I was like, man, after, whew, after the game, you're getting into dicey no, waters there. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Never. Those words never appear in the song. They, no, they don't. They don't. <laughs> That's another example. It's an odd title for that song. What, what, what about it is Bohemian? I think they probably were inspired because it's an operatic song. It's probably inspired by some sort of opera thing, and I'm sure we could easily find that out. All right. I like how very often on the show we pose questions, don't answer them, and move on. <laughs> I got to be honest, Pat. I ask the question, and I don't give a rat's ass what the answer is. Yeah, yeah. Dead inside. Yeah, same. all the way to the middle. Hashtag same. Uh, I've added two new video game consoles okay. to the collection since we last spoke. Which so was, we're just going straight into Joe's scary stuff? No, no. I'm just telling you where I'm at mentally in life. Oh, okay. That if you thought this wasn't enough, yeah. 
two have been added since the last time. Not okay. since the le- not since the botched recording, right? But since the last time we actually recorded, which was well over. It was like a month, two months ago at this point. Yeah, you guys have been listening to like a backlogged collection because Joe went out of town for a while. So now we're up to date again. Uh, We're recording this the day before you hear it. So you're getting us right now at our absolute lowest, as Joe and I just discussed over breakfast. But it is a pleasure to be coming to you live from the hog house. It is. Oh, you were supposed to do that. Um, I was too busy thinking about what I will say for today's oh. on with the show and also on with a Joe with a flow. Don't say it doesn't matter with a Joe. <laughs> I can't believe that one took that long. Well, we were just talking about Queens of the Stone Age, but on with the show. It's a great one with the Joe. That one was an interesting one. That's a good one. Uh, Folks, all I've been listening to is those uh, the the second and third Queens of Stone Age album, Rated R and Songs for the Death. Uh, I think both are in my top ten albums of all time. I can understand that. I really do. They're not in mine, but they're great albums. And I was just telling Joe, Make It With You by Queens of the Stone Age may be my wedding song. Uh, I love that. It's a beautiful song. Great song. I love Sexy that song. Sexy mama. What were you going to say? I cut you off because I didn't want to forget on with the sh- on with the Joe. My buddy was like, "You stopped doing on with the Joe." I was like, "No, I didn't." But maybe I missed a few weeks. We I missed know. one here and there. Yeah. Everybody needs to calm down. Yeah. Uh. Uh. And I and I'll be honest with you, Pat. Any friend that's going to tell you something like that isn't a friend at all. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you realize each day you have less and less friends than you think. I don't even like myself anymore. No, who does? The uh, I uh, what was I going to say? I was just going to talk about how uh, whenever Pat sings the Joe song, he covers his face <laughs> while he's singing it. Uh, it's uh, a deep it, shame. Yeah, it, it's it seems to be just sheer embarrassment. Yeah, uh, just covers his face. But uh, but it, you know, I I had something else to say at the time, and I can't remember what it was now. Well, when you're sitting, you know, five feet away from a, another man singing often a love song with his name in it, uh, there's a great deal of shame that goes along with it, an embarrassment. Sure. Even in this, even in 2018. Yeah. Even in 2018. Yeah. I've got to be me. Um, yeah, I, I've always been that way. You, you, you don't want, pe- I don't like people looking at me, you know? I have a very hard time being funny with my parents. My parents do not know or think I'm funny, definitely. I have a hard time making jokes with them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, then they make jokes with me all the time. Yeah. My whole thing now with my dad is he'll text something. I write back a response, and he goes, oh, I was joking. I guess I'm not funny anymore in my old age. This is every single time. So he's like, what kind of food are you going to have at the wedding? I tell him, and he's like, well, I hope you have some hamburgers. And I go, no, it's it's not like exotic food. You'll be fine. And he's like, I was just kidding. Every conversation is right. like painful, intense. And then there's like weird random emoji use because he doesn't know what they mean. And it'll be like a crying smiley face. And I'm like, are you laughing till you cry? And right. It's just a mess. Right. My dad won't eat anything but pure American food. He's never had sushi. He's never had... Chinese food. He's never had anything. He's never had Chinese food. He came out here, which I would almost consider back. American food at this point. <laughs> yeah, of course. He, like even a Panda Express. I was going to take him when he came out here a few years back to a Thai restaurant, and he was like, "Ugh, I don't eat things that float." So he like, doesn't eat fish. I was like, "What? What do you think Thai food is?" I think he thinks it's all like a stew. That like maybe I don't know what he thinks. So would he not eat a beef stew, a hearty beef stew? He'd eat a beef stew, but I think he, much like people who have never had sushi, think like you're eating like a fish eye, like right. if you're old and dumb. But Thai food to him was like something floating in a in a vat, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not even going to try to correct you on this. Jesus God, that's that's in, that's intense. Adults get so fucking close-minded, and I really hope I don't go that route. But it's just like... Well, you, you to be fair, Pat, when we were in the diner this morning 
during breakfast, you were complaining that they were letting Asians in. <laughs> not true. <laughs> not true. Of course, it's not specifically true. Filipinos. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, like I asked my dad, like, oh, oh you, he said, I'm watching the Grammys tonight, and I was like, oh, you enjoying it? And he's like, I had to turn it off because of the rap. Which is, you know, there's some race qualities there, too. <laughs> it's just like everything that you did not grow up with is suddenly terrifying and awful and you can't understand. And don't even make an effort to understand it. That just seems to be everyone over a certain age. Right. And the reason our, our country is where it is, frankly. Yeah, we're, uh, we, we were, we've been asking for this for a long time. And yeah. I saw are. today, I had been off Twitter for like a week which is why my mood had improved. And you get on there, and first thing I see this morning is Trump at a rally last night. And we'll get we'll get immediately off politics. But there's three gorgeous, like white teenage girls right behind Trump at this rally going, Build that wall! Build that wall. Right. And Trump turns around and checks them out. Very clearly. And then he turns around and does that little eyebrow raise thing. Like, yeah. eh, you like that? Yeah. To the audience. And he's like, eh, looks like these girls like it. Clear plants because what three like beautiful young girls are at a Trump rally. And then also in the corner, because Trump always plants a, a minority behind yes. him, there's an, an Asian guy screaming along with them, build that wall, build that wall. And I shut Twitter again like i always compare it to that book of the dead right just like i i, I shut it deleted it from my phone and like threw my phone across the room right. it's like holy <laughs> cow i, I don't yeah, know what's going go, on you can't go in you can't no, go in. i'm done you can't go in yeah twitter to me is it's you know it's it's a it's 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 like looking into the eyes of the crystal skull like <laughs> you're gonna go nuts you can't yeah. you gotta you gotta walk away you got to walk away. Which is a Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull reference, a film I did watch yesterday, immediately after I watched The Last Crusade again. Now, I have only seen it once in the theater. Should I revisit it? If you revisit it, you will be like, this is fine. There's, I'm not furious yeah. about it. There are a couple cringeworthy things with Shia LaBeouf. One of them is him swinging on vines with monkeys. Terrible. I remember that. I remember uh, a lot of uh, prairie dog reaction shots. Yeah, and those those aren't as bad as you remember. You know, for the most part, you're like, it, it, let's put it this way. When they make the new one, mm -hmm. and it's awesome because they're clearly making it to be like, we need to right some of the wrongs of the last one. And you look back on this franchise in 10 or 15 or 20 years or whatever, Kingdom of the Christmas Goal is just going to be the the kind of weird one that, that some people think is really fun. Right. It's not going to be a stain on the fucking franchise. Right. Or anything like that. But uh, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, Last Crusade more, obviously. I feel like you're sort of forcing me into pat's movie corner so let's just open the door i'm not trying to i'm just i'm just kind of thinking about indiana jones and my take on these films it was always my favorite i was always from best to worst i always thought raiders was the best skull was the worst now i'm starting to think i'm going to put crusade over temple of doom maybe but i don't know about that i mean i go temple raiders crusade skull i love there was a time where doom was my favorite i just i think it's just perfect and knowing the backstory that Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were both going through bitter divorces when right. they made it, and they didn't realize till it came out how rough and terrifying it was. <laughs> Adds another, the one thing that is questionable about it in this day and age is that probably also due to these very wealthy guys going through the divorce, the love interest is a gold-digging, uh, screaming shrew. <laughs> But uh, she, she's the good. She's good in the end. It's not. She is, but she's a long way from Karen Allen. I'll you would have well, but at least she's better than the Nazi in the third one. Spoiler alert. I was going to say, like the 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 one I would have pegged divorces on is the third one, where the woman seduces him and then turns into a Nazi. Into a Nazi, yeah, uh, and then dies at the end. It's the only one where the love interest dies at the end. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, let's go to Pat's movie corner. I saw Game Night, and I gotta say, it's a very funny movie. Um, and I I think it's 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 a it really shows you how bad things have gotten in terms of uh, movie comedy. That right? A this thing is being treated like it's uh, an all time comedy classic. It's not that. But B, everyone's like, holy shit, there, there's a, a movie that's supposed to be funny that was funny. Mm-hmm. That's usually the reaction I'm reading. Um, and I get that. It is a very funny movie. <clears throat> the cast is really great. It's all people you'll either know or recognize. McAdams is funny in it. Bateman's funny in it. Jesse Plemons steals the show. I love all the, three of them. Uh, creepy cop next door. Um, it's just very good. It's It's... It's, I would say, a comedy remake of the game, which is clearly how it was pitched, where you don't know what's real and what's not. Oh, okay, that's cool. David Fincher's The Game, which is a fantastic movie. And uh, it's very well shot. There's a tracking shot in it that I think can hold its own amongst the all-time greats. Your Goodfellas, your Touch of Evil. Jesus. And it's a fan... Like, you never see a comedy with, like, that level of uh, filmmaking skill. It's the guys who wrote and directed Vacation, who are clearly, like... Let's step our game up and try to get some directing work, too. I like those guys. Uh, very funny movie with with like a lot of your big traditional Hollywood laughs, but then a lot of like weirder shit in it as well, which I appreciated. All right. Good movie. I saw one you're never going to believe. Go on. Never seen it. Flash dance. <laughs> okay. Flash dance. Uh, what a feeling. For those of you unfamiliar, flash dance is the story of a welder who does burlesque dancing at night uh, because she has dreams of being a ballerina. Also, also she thinks ballerina dancing is just running really fast in one place. (laughs) So there's some complications. There's some hurdles she's going to have to get over. But uh, I went into the movie, ironically, I was staying with my dear friend, Big J Okerson in New York. He said, you've never seen this. You got to watch it because it just was on cable. And, uh, you know, by the end of it, I was I had chills. I was tearing up when she when she gives her big performance in front of the board and she does it her way. And the, the board includes way. Sam Kinison. Am yes, I correct? it is. Very, it is very similar to the back to school. Yeah, we're uh, talking about climactic all, scene. All those movies in the 80s ended with going in front of the board. Yeah. And uh, and there's no board anywhere. I've never well, come across a board. No. Old school brought that back. They, yeah. They're in, in front of the fraternity board having to do a bunch of physical challenges. It's amazing. It is extremely funny. I know a lot of people who are like, it kind of falls apart at the end. Does no, it? it doesn't. You idiot. It's a comedy. And old school grabs the joke, too, that now nobody can do ever again. And it's it's a lazy way out, but it works. It works so well. They did it right. But when they have to, when they go, what's the funniest version of the intellectual debate? We got to put the Will Ferrell character up against an actual smart guy. Yeah. And they're like, well, how do you get him out of this? And it's like he spews out this <laughs> yeah. very uh, insightful tirade, and then and then collapses on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like, what a lazy way to get out of a problem, but it works perfectly. And everything about the climax yeah. of old school is lazy, but to me that adds to all the funniness of it because i think they they are winking to the 80s i love it and it's it's just great stuff. and don't forget the, the the best line in the movie i see blue he looks glorious <laughs> i when i saw the movie i was i was excited but you know like oh, we will see what this is and in the opening scene the cab driver uh luke wilson's in the back and he's like hey you know there's uh no seatbelt back here and the cab driver looks in the rearview mirror and he goes, you're in the back seat. Quit being such a F. <laughs> it's like the first actual line of the movie. <laughs> and the theater was like, Whoa, like explode. Because even then, that word was well out. <laughs> but uh, my Lord, I love that movie. But I mean, you know, you're not laughing at the you're not laughing at gay people. You're laughing at the the. The man that that that's how he breaks down the world. Yeah, like yeah. you're you're like this guy is ridiculous. Dana Gould's got a really funny joke where he's like, where he talks about being uh, at his dad's house, 
in like November, and he's like, "See, Dad, this is where I live in L.A. November, middle of November, it's seventy-five degrees out there." And his dad goes, "Bunch of queers, uh-huh. right?" And his wife goes, "You can't." And he goes, "So my wife then says to me, you can't let him say that. You have to." And he goes, "What do you want me to say? There is no argument to be had. Yeah. The man thinks gay people emit heat." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my point is, is the laugh is in the ignorance, not in the. That's true. That's uh, true. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, wait, is it your turn? No, I had. Ge- oh, yes, because you had flash dance. Um, I saw. Uh, well, we could do that one on the show, so I'll leave it. I watched Christine, not the horror movie, but the film with Rebecca Hall from last year. It's streaming on Netflix. I thought just a fantastic movie, particularly in terms of its acting. And it's about a woman who is very depressed, played by Rebecca Hall. How she didn't get nominated for anything is is a travesty. But she's trying to stay positive, as we all are, in a horrible, horrible world. This is in the 70s. And she wants to do, she's a news reporter, she wants to do human interest stories. Right. Um, You know, like she sees a young couple in love and she's like, I want to do a story about love or whatever. And they keep telling her. No, if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, the violent news stories are Which what's is what selling we say right on now. this podcast. That's right. Yeah, they only want to do violent news stories, and they keep forcing her to do it to kind of keep her job. And eventually, she goes further and further insane and deeper into depression. And if you know the true story, it obviously has a horrific ending, and they show you that ending. But uh, I, I, I mean, I'm hesitant to call it a spoiler alert. It's a very depressing true story. But um, I highly recommend it, and I thought it was extremely timely in terms of the news now and how bad it has gotten. And the other one I watched this week that was on the same theme was I went to a screening of Broadcast News Oh yes, at the Writers Guild, followed oh, yes. by a discussion between James L. Brooks, the writer-director, and Cameron Crowe, uh, my old boss from Roadies. Cameron Crowe was in the heezy. You'll remember I portrayed Ben Frywater on Roadies. Uh, who could forget, Pat? Just received a $3.40 check for it who yesterday. Now, you were nominated for that, if I'm not mistaken. I, was, I, I, remember, was, I remember the campaign on uh, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was up for the uh, three-liney award. <laughs> so me and everybody else with three lines or less didn't win, but we'll get them next time. I, I didn't campaign hard enough, probably, is what it is. Uh, hoot. Broadcast news, if you haven't seen it, is it's a top 25 movie for me. It is maybe the best romantic comedy ever made. It is one of the best written movies of all time. Breakout performance by Joan Cusack. That's Joan Cusack when she runs into the water fountain is fucking some amazing physical comedy. Albert Brooks destroys. It's a it's about a relation type of relationship you never see in these movies. It's all very like painful, very real. And that movie, Holly Hunter's Line in the Sand with William Hurt, who's like the the douchebag, handsome reporter that she's falling for, is he inserts a shot of himself crying into an interview with a rape victim that he conjures up the tears for. And when she learns that he doctored his story this way, she's done with him. She's getting ready to go to Hawaii with him uh, and like start a life with him. And she breaks it off because of this. Yeah. And to see somebody take that kind of a moral stand in a movie or in the world of news or anything else, you know, it is 30 years old, but it felt like it was you were watching like a Catherine Hepburn movie or something. Yeah, it is fascinating. It's a powerful, beautiful movie in many ways. It is fascinating. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm not a, obviously not a Trump fan, but I also don't think fake news is is a falsity. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, it's a falsity when you're using it just to say, right. hey, these four right. million things I did, I didn't do. It's almost like he's the, it's almost like he's like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas or something. You're like, yeah. you know, dude, if you want me to like you, maybe don't kill Spider. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, like, clean it up a little bit. Right. And maybe I could meet you halfway on a point or two here or there. Sure. But, sure. Uh, in, you know, whatever. This ain't a political show, folks. We'll save the real horror for the news anchors. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this is the last one I'll give you, Walsh. Dove into Netflix's Riverdale. Oh, wow. Uh, 
I mean, so your week was Flashdance and Riverdale. My week was a lot more than that. Okay. But we can't get into it on here. All right. Uh, but yeah, no. Right, yeah, Flashdance and Riverdale. I haven't Basically. seen Riverdale. Maybe it's great. It, this is the dark Archie, right? Yeah, the Darchie, if you will. <laughs> I will. Uh, Darchieling Limited. Yeah. It's what? Yeah, it's it's based on the Archie comics, and it's a really dark take on it. Now, I don't know if I know that there were versions of the Archie comics that got like, you know, that were for more, you know, for when kids got older, they could read them, and it was a little more about like the trials and tribulations of a teenager or whatever, versus like Jughead ate all the hamburgers again. Right. So, I know I've seen uh, porn videos where it's like Archie is taking Mr. Willoughby up the ass or, you know, stuff like that. You know how they do Family Guy? Yes. I never under... If, if you were jacking off to, like, Stewie fucking Lois or whatever, ch- check yourself into a mental hospital. Who did I just see doing a bit about that? Talking about when the... Fa- seeing f- the Family Guy... P- oh, my friend Brendan Burns uh on the porn site the side video of it's always available stewie fucking the mom or whatever homer and marge yeah and his his punchline is what did i google <laughs> yeah a funny punchline uh anyway speaking uh, of what did i google real quick i and i'm surprised you didn't notice but i've been working with a personal trainer to prepare for my wedding i did notice and i didn't i felt weird saying to you you look good please stop I, no i'm, I'm serious i noticed oh, in the garage coming in well thank you but uh, I, you know, it's they, 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 they drain every muscle to failure. Like you, you, they're like, okay, now you're gonna do uh, chest presses, but do it until you are like gonna start crying, and then you switch immediately into working another muscle until that one dies. And then when I, when you end, especially my first couple sessions, I was like, I don't know if I can walk home. Your legs are shaking, and, right? Uh, but it, it does work. It's I, I, you know, it's it's great, but. I went in the other day. They told me I need to add some protein to my diet. Add more protein for since I'm lifting all the time. I buy one of these RX bars, and it's got like five ingredients. It'll say three egg whites, two almonds, whatever. Mm. And that's it. So I buy them. It's like a couple bucks at the grocery store. I go home. I hop on Instagram that night, and I've got an ad for an RX bar. That's disturbing. So what's going on? Did they get that from my credit card? Did they get that from me eating it? God only knows, buddy. I'm getting real freaked out. God only knows. That's not a coincidence. You know, these are these not like anyone even knows what these RX bars are. You can't do shit anymore, man. No. You're fucked. That's the other day. I took a shit. I got an Instagram picture of a shit. <laughs> well, in any case. Go on. Sorry. Riverdale. Speaking of which, this is now I understand there are some older versions of the Archie comics, but this thing is opens up with a brother and sister supposedly joint suicide thing that turns into clearly the sister has murdered the brother. Okay. Uh, and the brother and sister also are clearly fucking. Okay. Uh, they don't come out and say it, but they're clearly fucking. You got Archie banging after his freshman year banging a teacher are they the trying summer? to get you to believe that they're they're fucking or are you just kind of making that insinuation they're holding hands and acting in a very odd way okay and given the darkness and the heaviness of the rest of the show i'd be shocked if they weren't trying to insinuate that okay uh it probably the original script probably had them fucking and the network made them change it's really really dark stuff uh you got archie as i said fucking his teacher when he's like a freshman okay uh um and by the way not in a uh not in a uh you know uh what to do what to do kind of way in a uh you know archie i let my passions overcome me and we can't do that again uh-huh you know there it's not they're they're, they're not per- perpetuating any or promoting a lesson of like you know kid adults shouldn't fuck kids right it's more just like well this kid's in a in a pickle of a situation yeah um and the only reason he's in a pickle of a situation is because she's the music teacher and he wants to learn music from her okay so he's going to her saying like can you just teach me and she's like i can't because she's clearly saying she can't control herself. Right. <laughs> wow. Now, here's what's crazy. 
Archie Comics. They're making adaptations of comic book movies all the time. Why the fuck? Why the fuck are grown adults complaining that like new Batman movies are too dark? Joe. And why are Joe, uh Mar- why is every comic book movie now a slapstick harebrain comedy? And then I'm watching the Archie adaptation, and it's dealing with the weighty issues. Yeah. Why is that the world we're living in right now? Nothing makes sense. Well, I don't understand. A, I thought Riverdale was a smash hit because you can't pass a magazine stand without every cover. I being. believe it is. No, no, no. It's a. I, I just saw the ratings of it the other day. I mean, it's it's getting like a point three or something. It's, it's barely on the air. But it's on Netflix. What do you mean? It's- I guess Netflix maybe yeah. helps it or something, but. No, I mean, it's only on Netflix, I believe. No, no, no. It's a CW show. It's a CW show? You're watching a CW show, yeah. My my wonder is no one... The the show is, is like a Dawson's Creek, right? It's for your 18 and under set. It's a Dawson's Creek, but like if Kubrick did it. Right. You know? It's like eyes wide shut in Dawson's Creek. But I guarantee they paid a bunch of money for the Archie brand. What kid What kid under 30 knows Archie? I only know Archie because my uncle gave me a, a stack of comics from when he was a kid that contained some pornography. Well, now they're also doing like the dark rendition of teen- Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which is a right. series of comics. Is it dark? Yes. Okay. There's a dark... But you know who they just cast in it? Who? Bronson Pinchot. No, they didn't. They did. As who? I don't know, but it can't be that dark if Balky's in the mix. Well, he does dark stuff sometimes. He I was in True Romance. True. The uh, he was the comic relief of True Romance. No, it's look. I'm not saying Riverdale was without joy or okay. humor, but it's dark. But Jack there's a, still wearing that crown. No, no, <laughs> no crown. There's a string of because that's from the same universe. Sabrina and all that shit's the same. Whatever. But there's a there's a there's a line of Sabrina comics that are very dark and uh-huh. serious, where she's like. It's way more like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The craft. Uh, yeah. Um, and there's a line of Archie comics that are about the zombie apocalypse. Really? Yes. So. Okay. That's very weird. It's weird. But it, again, it's just one line. It's like there's. It's right. like how there'll be like a like a Superman storyline where it's like, well, in this this one, he's on Earth two and. Uh, you know, Superman is made out of ice because of this thing. You know, you're like, okay, well, that's one of the storylines. Right. But the odd thing is, is let's focus on that storyline. It's like when they made Steel with Shaq. Right. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. No, don't make that Superman movie, number one. Number two, don't make it with Shaq, please. Yeah. So um, Charles Barkley hosted uh, SNL the other night. That's where that's where we're at. He did it back in the Nirvana days, which I understood. I remember seeing Charles Barkley and Nirvana in the same show. Uh, but what what were they doing? I mean, what what's happening? I don't know. I don't know. Pat, you asked me. It's a bunch of scary stuff out there. Wow, that was a desperate transition. But all right, <laughs> let's take it to Joe's scary stuff. I got. I thought you would have appreciated I this do. segue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got a phenomenal book used yesterday. Uh, this book is out of print. If you can find a copy, I strongly suggest you buy it. It's called Shock. Horror, and the way that is stylized in the book is shock, exclamation point, horror, exclamation point. The astounding artwork from the video nasty era. Uh, it is a really, really great text. Uh, it's 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 basically a reference book. It's a hardcover reference book that's beautifully done. And it is wall-to-wall VHS cover art from what was called the Video Nasty Era in England, which was early 80s VHS market, uh, which was quite saturated because there were very few laws regulating any of it. And uh, because of the saturation, horror films in particular would uh, create outlandish covers to get your attention because they had to to get your eye on the shelf. I remember being traumatized... Every time I went to my local Schnucks grocery store to rent movies by the horror section, it was rough. Yeah, and these a lot of these were eventually banned and whatever. But it's just a great book. It's a really really fun thing just to flip through, uh, and then also discover movies maybe you never heard of. Now again, it's out of print. I got it for 
luckily $35 at the used bookstore in my neighborhood. I didn't even know it existed. I was walking by. I was in the window, and I went in like, what is that? I've been in that place. And then immediately was like, I got to buy this. Yeah. Um, but I looked online to do some price comparisons to make sure I was paying a fair price, and I didn't see it cheaper than 55 bucks online okay. used. Um, but if you've got the cash and this is your kind of thing and you don't care about spending 55 bucks, I strongly suggest you get it. I really, really like the book. It's very, very fun. Uh, and there's a great intro, you know, a two-page introduction that tells you that basically what was going on in the in this quote video nasty era unquote uh (laughs) forgot to mute the tv again that is a head gum podcast we like to remind people uh because head gum's been so very supportive of us (laughs) (laughs) um anyway that's joe scary stuff go get that book if if you can or maybe your local library has it and you can just take a copy out I think the reason it's so expensive and hard to find is because it was I think it was only printed in England mainly. Okay. Uh and a couple copies made their way over here. It, it, it but its copyright is 2005. So it's kind of old at this point, but not terribly. All right. Um and as usual, I don't have anything for this. Well, that's fine. I'm sorry. That's fine. Let's get to the movie at hand, Joe, which we didn't even mention what we're doing today, but Die Hard. No, I wish. Uh, I heard with a vengeance. (laughs) No, I wish. Um, That was when Bruce Willis uh, remembered that he was in a movie when when acting. We're going to differ on this one, but let's get into it. Uh, I don't know that we're going to differ all that much, but Joe and I last week uh, together went to the theater, saw a little picture called Death Wish. The remake, I'm always reminded of uh, the Simpsons bit where they're watching Death Wish 12 and it's an elderly Charles Bronson, and he goes, I wish I was dead. <laughs> Great joke. Um, Death Wish was certainly the worst timing for a movie's release <laughs> I've ever seen. Uh, we are being rocked daily by school shootings. Right. And this movie, and I know Eli Roth is trying to get out there and, and paint it like it's anti-gun. Right. This movie is heavily pro-gun pro-defending yourself defending your family so uh, now uh, our just first of all if you don't know what death wish is yeah you've seen the original joe of course yeah and uh and apparently the original nor this one capture uh, the commentary of the book which is what what is the true price to pay for vigilanteism? Like, is right. this something that will make you feel better, or is this truly even worse? Yeah, they kind of brush over that in both versions of these of the, of the book, but not particularly. Um, but no, you're clearly supposed to be rooting for Bruce Willis. Here. Yes, I agree. Um, uh, but uh, so it's about a man whose uh, wife and daughter suffer a home invasion. His wife dies. His daughter is in uh, a coma after a severe attack. His uh, wife played by Elizabeth Shue, who looks as she did in Adventures of Babysitting I was 30 say, years later. Baby, I hate to see you leave this movie because you still got it. And then I'll just hesitantly say I hope the daughter is 18 because Hachi Machi, <laughs> even in the coma. But... Uh, <laughs> What they didn't do and what I appreciated because we saw like a noon screening of this thing and I'm like, please don't tell me I got to watch this girl and Elizabeth Shue get raped because that's what happens in Death Wish, the original movie. I don't know about the book. Yeah. Well, apparently apparently they are raped in the book, but apparently they don't depict the scene in the book. Okay. Uh, But in the movie, in the original movie. They're getting there. It's very similar to Cape Fear where it's like, is this going to happen? And they fight. It's actually the exact same thing. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. In Cape Fear, he's about to fuck uh, Juliet Lewis. The mom's like, please take me instead. And then winds up throwing hot water in the oh, wow. assailant's face. That's the exact same scene as Cape Fear. Yeah. So in the original Death Wish, there none of that happens. Right. In the movie, I mean. And they do show the rape scene. And it is disturbing. Yeah. Very. Um, and it's also led by a group of a group, this group of vigilantes or, or gang members led by Jeff Goldblum. Right. That's which right. adds a whole other creepiness factor uh, to it. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, uh, 
assault you? Uh, He's got a real creepy line where after they finish, he goes, uh, he, he goes to his friend, come on, man, got business. Uh, and, uh, and then they leave. But, uh, but, you know, look, the first one plays much more like a taxi driver, like a very sort of bleak, grimy, gritty, hopeless 70s crime thriller kind of thing. You a fan of the Ridge? Yeah, I am as well. I think the, I think the original is, is, uh, is an pre- impressive piece of cinema. I think it's a very interesting commentary of the, of the times. Uh, I know it suffered a lot of the same backlash that this one's suffering from. Yeah. Um, I thought this movie was... A, I thought this was a much more balanced... This remake with Bruce Willis. Much more balanced commentary than people are giving it credit for. I don't think it was saying, yay guns, yay guns, yay guns. I think it was saying, we do live in a culture where the wrong people can get guns very easily, uh, either legally or illegally, uh-huh. because that's always been my argument. Uh, you know, uh, look, I have, I, I'm all for gun control. I'm not for gun banning. I'm, I mean, I want to keep some of these guns. I'm for gun banning. I want to keep some of them okay. because there are because people can get them any. It doesn't matter. I don't own one. But I get it. Don't sell machine guns at the fucking Walmart. That's right. fine. So there was a satirical element to that scene where he goes to the gun shop and the hot girl's like walk, giving him a tour as if he's at the weed store or something. Well, also, too, the gun he gets illegally is a pistol. Right. That's it. We're, there's going to be spoilers here, guys. Sorry. It's Death Wish. You know what it is. So, But the gun he uses at the end to to legally kill... The only legal kill he does is in the end because the guy's in his house. Right. All the other ones are on the street. So all the so again, it's it's just an interesting uh, commentary. When he kills illegally on the street, he's using an illegal gun. When he kills legally in his house, he's using a legal uh, semi-automatic rifle. Right. So I think they threw a lot of that into into the, the 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 story not saying isn't it great that he's got a semi-automatic rifle and he blew away the bad guy i think it was like hey man this is the reality yeah this is wh- the world we live in how do you feel about it and i thought they did a good job throughout the movie having the dual commentary from the different radio shows one being man cow who's a chicago radio guy who i'm not a fan of and who has gotten a lot of shit over the years for his sexist and 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 i would say seemingly racist commentaries or whatever uh-huh. um i don't listen to the guy so i don't know how spot on i am with that but i know he's gotten a lot of feedback in that or flack in that sense uh and then and then putting him against sway from sway in the morning on shade shady 45 on sirius as the other voice saying like, well, I don't know. It's a white guy killing p- black people. I don't know how I feel about this. And like, and then that are whole you a dis- Sway fan. I like Sway. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Cow at all. Sway was always on MTV. Yeah. Back in the day. I mean, I don't, I don't get that guy as a, he's certainly not funny. No, he's uh, just a good radio guy. I did. I was stunned that he was still working in radio when i saw him in this movie yeah he's the morning guy on shade four five. He, oh, I mean, right. he's like a charlie rose type almost okay, where it's right. like he's very i guess i'm used to a funny radio host I no he's very like learned and it's very like he has rappers come in and he's like he talks to them about like their significance and okay. the history and what they did right. well more power swipe so and i love heather b too who was on the real world and used to be in boogie down productions and she's in there because she's co-host on sway's show and she's throwing her two cents in i thought they did a much if you read the average review of this movie, it just says this is all dad hero bullshit. This is all, uh, y- you know, uh, gun gun violence is great. And I, I just don't think that that's a very fair assessment of it. I think it's a very uh, honest depiction of here's a thing that happens. Here's a way conceivably you could react to it. And if you did react in this way, here's what that would entail. Right. Uh, and, you know, uh, the last thing I've ever seen Eli Roth as, who directed this, yeah, is some kind of fucking big wheeling, 
you know, uh, right wing conservative. You know, I don't right. think that that's Eli Roth's mo. No, I don't either. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I I'll tell you this too, everybody. You know, we're having the diversity discussion in Hollywood these days, almost every minute. It's one of the most diverse movies I've ever seen, and I don't mean because oh, Bruce Willis is going around killing guys that aren't white. No, I mean like every every area in this movie: the doctors, the cops, the 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 lay people, everybody. It was diverse. It was it was white people and black people and Hispanic people. It was it was a very very diverse cast, and I think that's an important thing to point out as. Francis McDormand is scolding everybody for, to, to use inclusion clauses or writers in their in their movie contracts when I've never seen her act opposite a black person in my life. That's true. I watched Fargo last night. There is one black person in it, and he gets thrown against the wall by uh, a Native American guy. Yeah, and she's up there for three billboards. I I, I never I didn't see three billboards. A I movie said, widely called racist, which I mean, yeah, it is and I mean, it's not, just but. you know, it's just like give me a fucking break, man. You know, if if we're gonna if we're gonna have honest criticisms of things, you have to give credit where credit is due. You have to. You can't just say this movie is trash because there's guns in it. You, that's not right. fair. Give and, it, well, give it the and credit it's, it's it deserves. All that's discussed now in in reviews in terms of like, you know, representation is the first word of the review, um, and people are like, I hated A Wrinkle in Time. I thought everything about it was terrible. It's shot bad. The story's bad. The acting's bad. But it's diverse, so I loved it at the end. And you're like, well, wait a minute. And it is a two way street. They're not going to give that. Uh, to a movie like Death Wish. It, it's very hypocritical and gross. And I agree, it was a very diverse movie. Um, my issues with the movie, I was I was entertained throughout. I don't mm-hmm. recall looking at my phone for the time or anything. Um, my biggest issue was with Bruce Willis, who has completely given up. And I have heard... <laughs> the first time I noticed this kind of performance from him was maybe uh, Cop Out, Kevin Smith's movie. And, and Kevin Smith, I uh, hope you're all right, sir. Oh, well, yes, Kevin Smith. I've never met you, but... Sh- oh, no, I did meet him one time, and he was very nice. Well, but, I mean, you're a big Tusk fan. I'm sure he'd love you. Shouts out to Kevin Smith. I, I think he's recovering nicely from his he heart is, attack. He is. Um, and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe get, get healthy. You know, you've been wearing giant jean shorts and hockey jerseys for 40 years. Well, apparently, I think he was like doing the right thing. I think this was. Yeah. If you if you're that fat and do a quick, huge, drastic weight loss, apparently that's the worst thing for your heart. So, yeah. But anyway, I remember after Cop Out came out. Kevin Smith being like, Bruce Willis is a fucking asshole. Like, you can't even get yeah. him to try. Uh, it's embarrassing. I'm sorry. I, Not that Cop Out would have been good otherwise, but uh, Willis at some point was like, I got my money, but if you don't want to act anymore, retire, in my opinion. I don't, he is not trying. And I know, I think he's embarrassed by maybe doing all these direct to DVD movies and stuff, but. Man, I mean, he he'll barely open his eyes to deliver a line in this thing. Uh, I I don't totally agree. There were moments where I was like, is he into this or not? But then there were other moments where he had tears streaming down. It was weird. The heavy scenes like where he had to sit by his daughter's bed and deal with like the fact that his daughter might also die. I thought he was bad in those two. I thought he was good in those. He was crying. It's He's like, it's, I got to sit by and let my daughter well, sit. That, I'm like, come on. Man. Not those parts. I just mean yeah. like the, the moments of like quiet rage. Where, right. uh, so he had good moments in it. And then other moments where I was like, he does seem kind of like he doesn't care. But Checked I also out. think he's a little out of touch at this point. You know, look, how long has he been playing that character? Yeah, that's true. You know, and it's like he was always the guy that was just like, yeah, you know, ugh, you know, like, yeah. John McClane's always a, was a drunk and like was like I can't be bothered with this and now I got to save the world. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I I miss some of the old school charismatic Bruce Willis like with the. You know, you it know. rarely happened. Well, I guess it did from time to time. But like a death becomes her Bruce Willis. Like he was a a really good kind of character comedy actor in a weird way in a few things. 
Yeah. But those are the only times I can ever remember him really stretching out in any the way. The best, look, the best, in my opinion, the best Bruce Willis role of all time is Pulp Fiction. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It is everything you ever wanted Bruce Willis to be. Right. It, you know, uh, and, and the, and the, I would put Die Hard as a very close second. Yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, another nod to Eli Roth. Um, I like that he added, like, horror. His horror background came out in this. Yeah, a couple real gross-out type scenes. Yeah, a couple real gross-out scenes. And then also, too, he shot things suspensefully. Like, the scene where the home invasion happens, he shoots it like the strangers or something like that. Uh, So that added a whole new element to me, which was a nice surprise. I'll yeah. give you that. The few gross out moments. The one I kind of had issue with is when he's stapling his shoulder shut. And I'm like, you're a surgeon. He's putting super glue into an open wound to seal it. I was like, that's how you do it. On the street. All right. He can't. No, I learned that from Better Call Saul. So, well, so I guess he can't go into the office and fix his shoulder because he'd get a lot of eyes. Yeah, no, he can't. But I learned that from Better Call Saul. Like on the show, whenever somebody gets shot. Mm hmm. And then they're crooks, so they can't, or criminals, so they can't go to the doctor. They super glue the wound. Okay. That's like a real thing. Right. So I was actually excited when he did that. I was like, well, you oh. learned it from a TV show, though. Not, huh? from a, not from a doctor. Well, I think it's probably been researched a bit, but I don't think they're just. <laughs> well, you can't make that assumption. But I also thought the super glue thing was cool, too, because he when he put the brake fluid in the one guy's wound. That was real intense. Yeah, yeah, and he goes, "I'm putting a, I'm putting a solvent or whatever in your." Yeah, he slices open his, uh, what's the sciatic nerve? What is it? Yeah, something like that. What's what is it though? I I can't remember the one at the back of your feet, pouring a break. Not the fluid. Achilles heel. It's in the back of the thigh. That's what I, th- what I was searching for. I thought that was it. The Achilles heel is the heel. Yeah, but he was in the thigh. Okay. Uh, yeah, pouring Blake f- brake fluid into a uh, open nerve at one point. I mean, it, there was some intense shit. But he says the most painful thing in the world is is pouring this type of thing into an open wound. Right. And then two scenes later, he's got to put the super glue right. in his wound. And I think that was kind of saying like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like now he's got to do it to himself. Right. Um, I love the bathroom sequence. Which? Uh, when he finally is going after the head dude oh, yeah, that yeah. invaded his house, and when he just walks in the bathroom and that guy's peeing at the urinal and he just goes, get out. Yeah. You know, I it just I got I got excited. It, I got, that I, was crazy. The <laughs> opening fire in a, uh, because he heard a phone ring. He's opening fire into a closed stall. I was yeah. like, holy shit. Um, it did feel like, especially, I don't know if you heard this, but so we saw it at the Glendale Americana. Yeah. And directly across the street is the Glendale Galleria. Yes. Two malls directly across from each other, which makes no sense. Yes. Yesterday, there was a shooter at the Glendale Galleria. He tried to rob a jewelry store at noon on a Saturday. In the mall. And a security guard opened fire in the Glendale Galleria yesterday at noon. Did they get the guy? We were were across the street three days ago. Um Morgan Murphy, our, our friend, was was there and like had to go, you know, crouch in a back room and shit. Very intense. Was she in the jewelry store or in the? She was mall. in the mall, and they okay. kind of did a close down. But I mean, it's to be watching this movie at this time was a little nuts. I, at yeah, times. I, I, listen, I, I, I have I have no argument against that. It is a very sensitive film right now. Right. Uh, the subject matter, but we're, we're not that far apart from each other. I. I but isn't that also? Here's the thing, yeah. and this is why one of the things I do like about Riverdale, isn't that the, not the point, but isn't that kind of what some art should do? Should, shouldn't it? Completely agree. Shouldn't it push some weird buttons and hit some raw nerves? Everything is so fucking safe and sanitized. And yeah. It's like, you know, it's like when that guy did that movie, The Comedy, with Tim Heidecker, which I hated. I kind of um, liked it, but yeah. Because every character was so despicably unlikable. Right. I just didn't like the movie. Right. But I didn't. I didn't hate that he made it. I just didn't enjoy watching it. Right. But when he got criticism, somebody said like, you know, this is just the 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 character learns nothing by the end of the film. It's just disgusting. He's uh-huh. just an asshole. You know, the, the guy was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was my responsibility to teach lessons to people. You know, like I was trying to tell a story about a certain type of person. That's what I set out to do. That's what I did. Right. And it is what it is. Yeah, this is a person that exists. This is a type of person. So, um, 
So anyway, that's all I'll say. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we're that far apart on it. I think we both liked it uh, to some extent. You more than me. My issues were Willis, and my other issue was just how they played him making that flip from like, boy, the cops aren't doing anything about my daughter to like, I'm going to start killing people. Maybe that was also a problem with Willis and, and him not showing that in his eyes, but I didn't no, buy that transition at all. They could have put another scene in the original Death Wish. The, there's a sequence where Charles Bronson is vomiting yeah. after he kills a guy because he's like, I, what have I done? Yeah. Uh, Willis, they, it could have used one scene like that. Right. Willis is like, you know, eating pizza in his basement and, and angry that the cops aren't doing anything. And then just turns into a vigilante, and it takes about five seconds. Yeah, and then the <laughs> the first time he attacks anybody, they they leave the they the video immediately. Somebody gets it on their phone, and it immediately goes online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's watching the uh, video, and he's just like, I couldn't tell by his expression if the character thinks this is funny, yeah, or if he's like, oh shit, this this might be. I might be in over my head here. It was kind of hard to tell. Yeah. I wonder if Willis had anything to do with one of the uh, kids the police interviewed describing him as being in his 30s. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> I was like, in his 30s? Well, that 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 and the other scene, the other thing I love, so Vincent D'Onofrio plays his brother. Always love a Vincent D'Onofrio. And they think, at one point, the cops think D'Onofrio is the vigilante. Yes. And they go find D'Onofrio to question him. Yeah. And they go, we don't know. You know, we hear he's left-handed, no hair, likes to wear a hoodie, in good shape. Sounds a lot like you. And I'm like, <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, number one, is not in good shape. He is physically nowhere near the same size no, as Bruce Willis. He's a foot taller. And they have a video of Bruce Willis just from the back. I'm like, look at the guy in the video. You yeah. think that's Vincent D'Onofrio? D'Onofrio is in better shape than he's been in a while, but <laughs> yeah. not saying much. No. D'Onofrio is always a great character actor. He was the only good part to me about the Magnificent Seven remake. And Joe, you were saying you actually thought that he was going to be in on it. You thought he was going to be the killer. Well, D'Onofrio at this point only ever plays a guy with shifty eyes. Right. So there were many points. They play up, the, and I really do think it was just a red herring, and it was very well done. They play up the fact that Vincent D'Onofrio has been convicted of some sort of crime and is out of work. They never explain it, though. Right. They also talk about, they also show that he's recurringly needing to borrow money from his brother. Well, yeah, and you were saying and, you thought that might have been a red herring, and I thought that might have been the original ending, and that people thought, people liked D'Onofrio too much to make that jump. Yeah, because, because they the, do, well, I didn't think about it, but, but they were really setting him up to be the kidnapper. They specifically say he takes, he needs to borrow $2,000 from Bruce Willis. Right. Bruce Willis, when he when the house gets robbed and invaded, he says, what did the, he's got to tell the cops what they took, and he goes, $2,000 in cash. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio eventually pays the 2000 back. Right. It's It's all very fishy. Also, when the cops say that they're doing all they can in the beginning. Uh, uh, Bruce Willis's character initially is like, okay, thank you. And D'Onofrio's character is like, so you're just going to sit here? Like screaming at the yeah. cop, like really playing it up. So I just kept thinking like, here's a guy that's broke. It's going to be a uh, before the devil knows you're dead kind of thing. Right. He's going to, he sent these guys in, rob them, just bring me the shit. It'll be fine. And it all went wrong. Yeah. But then that's not the case. But it doesn't help that throughout the entire movie, every time they cut to D'Onofrio, he's like looking down to the side. Like, it looks like he's like just stolen something. Yeah. So maybe it was the original ending. I wouldn't be surprised. It felt like a movie that had maybe had a, a reshoot or two or a restructure or two. But um, I, I'll tell you this. If it had gone the path that a lot of Willis movies go these days, direct to on demand or, or DVD, You'd be like, this was really good, I think. The fact that it got the theatrical release, you know, people were harsh on it. It didn't do great. It's an entertaining movie. It is what it is. It's got a little bit on its mind. Um, and I think we both recommend it. It's a flashier brawl in Cell Block 99. Correct. And not as good. Not uh, yet, but, but yeah. Folks, uh. we're happy to be back. We are about to sit down and record next week's episode, which will be a commentary on the long-awaited. Well, wait, that might be the bonus episode. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, just just, just hold off. All right. All yeah, right. I'll tell you on the website what the next one will be. Yeah. But, uh, folks, thank you for your time. Thank you for your continued support. The numbers on the Facebook page are going through the roof, which I love to see. The merch site is up at the Hog House on Etsy. The shirts are available. Emily is doing a beyond fantastic job getting Thank all you, that shit out. And, uh, you know, we'll see you next time, and we'll see you. And well, Plugs. I, I just p- remembered that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I want to plug my tour coming up. All right. April, all of April. I'm then going- after that, I'll finish my sentence with in hell, and we'll be done. <laughs> well, uh, then you can plug your show. Uh, April. Yes. I'm going on tour. All dates posted on info or .com or JoeDeRosaComedy.com. Go to it. Check it out. Uh, I'll see you in states like New Hampshire, New York. No, not New York. Sorry. Pennsylvania, uh, Detroit, uh, Michigan, um, you know, a bunch of different places. So uh, come on out and I hope to see you. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Patrick Walsh. My show, Living Biblically, is airing Monday nights at 9.30, 8.30 Central on the CBS network. Uh, it is the absolute worst time slot. Uh, we're up against all the biggest shows on television at once. Shows, uh, you know, it's neither a smash nor a bomb at this point, but uh, we need all the eyes we can get. And seeing you guys talk about the show and about Joe's performance and, you know, listing your favorite lines and all that on Facebook has made me feel great. And I really appreciate it. Um, that's it. And let me finish my sentence from before with in hell. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>